action feeds into Patterson into the Yes, touchdown to Greg Olsen. Wilson just got it away. There's Keith Lee. Touchdown, Carolina. Hello, welcome to the Keep Sounding hey, Podcast. Oh, what? Notice, hey, you said hello. Oh, well, hello. <laughs> uh, hello, and welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is Brian, joined by John, as always. This is your 2023 edition of the Keep Sounding Podcast. We were off for a little bit for the holidays, and uh, last week I was sick, so we couldn't really get together for a show. But here we are, end of the season. Panthers did not make the playoffs. Shocker, I know. Um, So we're right in the middle of the head coaching search as Matt Rule was fired very early on in the season. And we're here to break it down for you and get the new year kicked off. So, John, how are you doing this fine evening? I'm doing pretty good, you know, just new transitioning. uh, I guess uh, like our frame of reference for football now, right? No more football. No more no football Panthers for the football. Panthers, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Now we, now we get to watch good football. <laughs> um, it's everybody's favorite time of year, the offseason. Yeah, the offseason of where, where you can win the Super Bowl, you can draft a whole bunch of blue chip players and get like eight starters in the draft. Uh, you can sign a bunch of free agents for really cheap and they'll still be really, really good and, and not have to pay out any dollars. And if you pay out any dollars to them, then you're mad because they shouldn't be making that kind of money. Right. That's that's the off season for you. We're going to so, sign, sign uh, several players of which we'll hate half of because they don't perform to their contract. Right. We're uh, going to trade for Derek Carr, year. though, John, and we're going to get him for like $500,000 uh, a year. I, I did see – we'll talk about that later, but I did see so, like a thing where it's like the Panthers could trade for Derek Carr, and it's just like, can we stop doing that? Anyway. I could see it happening, but anyway. Um, so just to recap the end of the season from the last time we had a show, uh, and again, the holidays and me being sick caused us to not be able to have one for a bit, but the Panthers lost to the Steelers in or in Carolina, I believe. Yes, yeah. and uh, 24 to 16, the Panthers got pretty thoroughly dominated in that game. Um so that I so to... vaguely remember that game because it was so boring. Yeah, it was really terrible. Like it was two teams that have kind of the same philosophy, except the Steelers have Kenny Pickett, who actually looks like he might be good, um, along with a pretty good defense, and it just was a thrashing. Like the I don't think the score really reflects how badly the Panthers were dominated in that game. It was just embarrassing. Like I was yeah. not having fun watching that game. But well, and okay. I mean, just from like a, in a, like, not, I guess kind of, I mean, we're not neutral, but like, even from just like a football perspective, like, obviously everybody has their own taste in like their favorite flavor of football. But like, when the Steelers just kept having these like long drives that would gain, and then the Panthers even too a little bit, it was either like a three and out or these drives that were just like four yards, four yards, five yards, three yards four yards and it's just like man nothing's happening like there's no turnovers it's all just like punts and four yard gains and like the Steelers came out in the second half and had a, a 21 play 91 yard drive that took almost 12 minutes yeah like almost the entire third insane. quarter 
was one was the almost basically the entire third quarter was one Steelers drive, and I'm like, this is boring. Yeah, not the kind of football you're looking for as an as just from an entertainment perspective. I mean, I right. know there are people. I I personally do enjoy that defensive slugfest that like 13 to six you know, struggle to score points, but that really wasn't what that game was. It was no, more so just long, methodical drives. Right, because, like, the defensive slug... The thing with, like, football that makes it entertaining is when, like, stuff happens, which, so you can have a defensive slugfest where, like, there's sacks and there's turnovers and there's, like, dominating defensive performances. Like, that game was boring just because it was, like, nothing happening. Yeah, and like, even It with just the felt de- like very few drives in general. Even with the defensive slugfest performances every score is almost magnified. Like yeah. that 2013 game with the 49ers and the Panthers where D'Angelo Williams scored the only touchdown of the game. Like that touchdown was super fucking exciting. Yeah. So, you know, but yeah, the Panthers lost that game. It looked like they were probably on their way out of the playoff picture. And then they turned around uh, the following Saturday, Christmas Eve, and they beat the fuck out of the lions. Over. Yeah. 500... really came out of nowhere. Yeah, I was not expecting that. I mean, I know the Lions' defense isn't good, but, like, that team is kind of just one of those scrappy teams that's well-coached. And, yeah, the Panthers ran for, like, 500 – or the Panthers had a total of 500 yards against them. They ran for a franchise record as well, which I never would have expected with Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard as the primary uh, running backs. Um like just thoroughly dominating. I believe in the first half they had like 200 yards rushing or something like that. Yeah, they crossed um, the like right there, and it was like watching that game was like, uh, it, kind of the opposite of the Steelers game, where it's just like, like why is this so easy? Like why yeah. isn't it always this easy? <laughs> yeah, like they're just like ripping off 40 yard runs like over and over and over again. Like what are what's going on? Yeah, that was really the game where it was like, okay, Chuba Hubbard could actually be a really good player in the NFL. Like, or at least a decent, a decent, like, uh, RB2 or something like that. Like that, I know that Panthers fans have very much maligned him since he was drafted by Matt Rule, of course, because, you know, his wife's told him to draft him. But that was a good game for Chuba Hubbard. Obviously, Deontay Foreman as well. Um, very much fit the Steve Wilkes slash Ron Rivera style of just run the ball down their fucking throats until, <laughs> until they can't really defend it. But even then... Um, the Lions adjusted on in the second half and didn't allow as much rushing yards until like really towards the end of the fourth quarter. Um, overall, just a very good team win. It put Carolina back in the conversation to be in the playoffs, and they had a must-win game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the following week. And, man, that game was hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, too, because, like, I finally pivoted from like, okay, whatever, just make the playoffs. It's fun. As opposed to like, I don't know if these like wins are good long-term, but whatever, like happy to have watchable football on Sundays. And then of course, like my most invested game of the season, the Panthers took like a commanding lead in the fourth quarter. And I'm like, Oh, we're going to do this. And then we're just like the Buccaneers figured out they can just have Mike Evans run a straight line and throw touchdown passes. Which for context, if, uh, any of you out there don't necessarily know JC Horn broke his wrist against the lions late in the game. So that meant that CJ Henderson and Keith, uh, Keith Anderson were the Taylor Keith Taylor. That's right. Keith Taylor was the, were the two starting corners. And that was not a recipe for success against Mike Evans. 
and Tom Brady. So despite the Buccaneers' struggles, they, you know, lost. So Kind of like say- the rival point of the Buccaneers. I mean, they didn't play against Atlanta, so they didn't have a chance to say show if that, if that carried over at all. But it felt like it's – I think most of the rest of the league was like, oh, Tom Brady and Mike Evans, Tom Brady, like Tom Brady's figured it out. Here he comes because, uh, you know two bombs to Mike Evans and a rushing touchdown just in the fourth quarter, like a quarterback sneak. Oh, Mike so, Evans um, had three touchdowns, I believe. Well, no, just in the fourth quarter. He had oh, yeah. yeah, yeah that he had was, that was rough. Quarter. Yeah. But it, what was um, really cool, too, is the highlights of, like, oh, they're all the exact same play, like, just run straight up the field on the right side and then uh, toast C.J. Henderson or Keith Taylor. Yeah. And that was the week also that we didn't get a chance to cover, but Josh Norman returned to Carolina that week. He only played like one snap against the Buccaneers, but it was cool just to have Josh Norman back. I mean, it's kind of like the Cam Newton situation where he kind of like left on unceremonious terms and came back and it kind of like, I don't know, righted the uh, narrative a little bit, but. Panthers lost. They were officially eliminated from the playoffs, so they had their meaningless game against the Saints at the end of the year. That seems to be a trend. And uh, that boy, did that look game. like a mini boy? Did that look like a meaningless game? Yeah, that was a uh, oh man, that was a rough game to watch. I, as you all probably know, but if you don't, I have to. I usually uh, live tweet the games and share on Facebook what's going on and that was a really rough one to watch and try and cover. Uh the Panthers ended up winning 10 to 7 and the only score for the Panthers that wasn't a field goal was a fumble by Sam Darnold at the goal line. The second time he did this this season where it turned into a touchdown as Michael Jordan the much maligned guard scored the touchdown. Um and the Saints really had every chance to win that game and put it out, put it away. They missed field goals. They had field goals blocked. They had turnovers. Um, in the end, though, it came down to an Eddie Pinheiro field goal in a dome, which was never really a good recipe for success, as he's generally struggled in those situations. But no, he made the game-winning field goal. The Panthers won a meaningless game to end the season, ten to seven. Yay which means that they will now draft at ninth overall in the 2023 NFL draft, which fun fact, the last time and the only time the Panthers have had the ninth overall pick, they drafted Luke Keekley. So I'd be really happy if they find another Luke Keekley at number nine. Not going to lie. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be bad. Um, anyone that's like, like if there's any frustration or if there's any consolation to like winning the meaningless game uh, in week 18, I think the, Panthers probably would have still only picked eighth anyway. Like only no, it didn't. Five. It didn't impact their uh, draft uh, stock all that much, and it ended with Steve Wilkes. He ended the season what six and six, I want to say, mm-hmm. as yeah, as a coach, six. which is pretty good because you know he won more games as an interim head coach with a coaching staff he didn't pick and personnel he didn't draft than Matt Rule has ever won as a Panthers head coach in a season. I mean. It's, I think I, I wrote that in the Steve Wilkes kind of like quick look at thing. Like he, you know, 500 doesn't seem great, but it's pretty good when it's compared to, I think it was, it was like 11 and 24, 11 and 27 before that. So, yeah, I think Matt Rule only won one game this year. Well, too. Yeah, it was one. He was yeah. there one and four. Panthers won four when Steve Wilkes took over. Yep. 
So solid audition for Steve Wilkes. So now the Panthers look to the off season where they are doing their head coaching search. They also are probably doing a quarterback search, as I imagine Sam Darnold, while he played very well towards the end of the season. 43 yards against the Saints as a <laughs> passer doesn't necessarily give you any faith that he is the answer at quarterback. So the Panthers are currently in what I would call probably the most exciting part of the offseason where we get to speculate on who the next head coach is going to be and who the next quarterback is going to be. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, they've and they've been very thorough with their head coaching search. I did want to say before we get into that. Yeah. Um, very funny stat line that, and we'll talk about this more in like my concerns and Steve books, but uh, the Panthers ran the ball 41 times against the saints and Sam Donald threw, or we dropped back 17 times. And it was, there was very funny. There was one point Matt Millen said on the broadcast and I feel bad. I don't know. Matt Millen seems like he's like a nice enough dude. So I feel bad that he's like, that I like want to make fun of the things he says all the time. Um, But he said at one point, like Sam Darnold's like quietly had a very efficient game passing. And at that point, <laughs> Sam Darnold was like four for 11 for 22 yards and an interception. Yeah. Like, I specifically remember that was his exact stat line when Matt Millen said he's had a, like a, a, a sneaky efficient game. And it's like, Matt, I don't think you can be any less efficient than Sam Darnold's been. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny too, because against the Buccaneers, I would say Darnold had his best game of the season. Mm. Um, he threw some really good passes in that game. Obviously, he kind of fell off towards the end through a couple picks. But, yeah, that Saints game was very ugly. That was uh, very much – the offensive line obviously suffered two starting uh, injuries between Austin Corbett and Brady Christensen as their two starting guards. So that didn't help as far as uh, yeah. sacks and whatnot. But, yeah, Darnold kind of very much looked like the quarterback from last se- – or the season before last season where – uh he just didn't look good and looked lost out there. So I guess that's the hot and the hot and cold we're going to get from Darnold. Wouldn't be opposed to him coming back as a backup quarterback, though, because, you know, the Panthers only have Matt Corral under contract this year. Or if they draft somebody and they're which like, they could do. Yeah, which yeah, if they, and they're like, who's the we need a veteran, you know, locker room type of thing. It might be awkward to make Sam Darnold do that since he's been here a couple of years now, but. I think he's like he's fine to just kind of have. I don't think like they should hopefully be smart enough to not consider him the long term option. But now, like, he's not bad to have around. No, and he very much seems to be the kind of player where he's absolutely fine with going into a competition and losing if yeah. he if the other player is better. I mean, it happened with Baker Mayfield. I mean, they very much he very much could have just like locked it down for the rest of the year, and they could have just started whatever practice squad quarterback they had, but no, Darnold came out and played very well and just took advantage of the opportunity presented to him. So yeah, I, I very much would not be opposed to having Darnold come in on like a, a veteran cheap quarterback deal just to be there as a starter in case the uh, rookie's not ready, especially since they're picking it ninth. So they could very much grab a project quarterback or even grab a quarterback in the second round. So yeah. All right. Um, I guess, like, I guess, since we're talking about quarterbacks, like, do you like anyone in the draft, or do you want to go the like Derek Carr route? It's tough for me because I feel like the first overall pick is going to be a quarterback. 
Um, I think the Bears are just going to trade back because they need to assemble assets around uh, Justin Fields. So I think that first pick is definitely going to be one of the top two quarterbacks. Um, between the ninth pick and the first pick, I could totally see another team taking quarterback. And from what I'm registering, it seems like the UK quarterback, uh, what's his face? Um, Will Levis. Yeah, Will Levis seems to be in play uh, around where the Panthers pick. So maybe him. I mean, uh, if they're going to take a shot on a quarterback, I would prefer they go for the high upside guys. And I don't know if Will Levis is that. Um, but again, if they, if they bring Sam Darnold back, especially if they retain someone like Steve Wilkes as their head coach, then you have a little bit of a familiar situation there while the court, while the quarterback gets itself ready. I, I personally would not be opposed to them trading for Derek Carr. Um, I know that he's been a little bit maligned, but I mean, he's been good in his career and he would be behind a pretty good offensive line. I mean, the only offensive lineman they don't have under contract for next year is Bradley Bozeman. And I feel like they can get him back. Uh, If not, you know, they still have some other players that they can play there or sign. So I, I, I would, I would not be opposed to Derek Carr. I don't know how, what you think about that. I mean, I know his. I would be very much crazy. opposed to Derek Carr. Why is that? Because it's just like why. Like, um, he's fine. He's not bad, but like, um, uh, I don't know if if the if the horn or the sorry I have the Hornets on TV. If the Panthers were um closer to competing and like a quarterback they needed a quarterback to like fill out an otherwise like really complete roster which they're not like that far away from it but uh if they were better i would be more on board with it if i but like and they just need to stop doing that i think like i I think about a team like the jets or um who's another team that's like having struggles with like a young quarterback or like the Patriots or something that like recently took a young quarterback that they're not like totally sold on, but they're not ready to compete with yet. Like that makes more sense to me, but like the Panthers have done this like carousel of like bringing in retreads that are not working out and then expecting them to be better here. And I know Derek Carr has proven a whole lot more than Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, but it's just kind of like, you can only I don't I don't want to be the Colts with like Philip Rivers and then Carson Wentz and then Matt Ryan just like get your own guy but I feel like Derek Carr is a little bit of a a different situation from those three um Philip Rivers was gonna retire you know that year it was pretty much a guarantee Mm. I think anybody who objectively looked at that that signing thought he'd be there for like two or three years was probably crazy um Carson Wentz was a broken quarterback in Philadelphia. So that was very much a rehab project. And Matt Ryan is again, was like 37 this year. Hmm. So I don't feel like Derek Carr is in that same situation. Um, The other factor is the Panthers showed enough flashes to me that I feel like they could be competitive sooner rather than later with the right moves. So I think like, and Derek Carr is not going to cost more than like maybe a mid round pick at best just because of his contract. Um, So I think, you know, you get Derek Carr, you use that first round pick, you use those two second round. They have two second round picks, I believe. 
Um, yeah, the point guard shift. Yeah, um, on players to surround him, especially like maybe an edge rusher to go opposite Brian Burns, um, maybe a corner, another wide receiver, and I think they could be right there in the running, especially since the NFC South is terrible and Tom Brady is not going to be back next year. I, there's, I would bet money that Tom Brady is not returning to the Buccaneers next year. Yeah, I mean, but then that still that feels like a one-year thing. Like, where where does Derek Carr rank as like? active quarterback like starting nfl quarterback if you sign him like firmly in like the middle of the pack yeah but you know yeah but like like, the 49ers are winning with brock purdy right now yeah but i don't i don't they don't want to be like brock purdy's not the end game like they're winning with brock purdy but they're not going to be like yeah like we're winning with brock purdy like they're like they have trey lance and they would like they would make sense for Derek carr depending on trey lance's health um, yeah, but yeah, that's that's kind of my thing. Is like, it, it just it feels like a an upgrade for the sake of upgrading, but it's like a low, a very low ceiling upgrade for a team that's not only like we've already failed at that twice, like we're whiffed at trying that twice, and then just from like a marketing perspective, like I I don't know how much patience the fan base has for like another retread quarterback that has a seal that doesn't have like a high ceiling. And again, I, I know he's better than the two we have, but it's just kind of like, hey guys, remember how like the the retreads that we brought in before were like not any better than we had? Like, have a one that's slightly better, but is boring because he's been around forever and no, never won anything, and no one and doesn't move the needle for anybody from like an excitement level. I would say markably better than what we have, but I, I guess I should have prefaced it by saying that if they had a shot at C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young in the at the ninth pick then no i would want them to do that i just don't know if they do at this point i would much rather us uh try to trade up and get one of those guys than to sign Derek or trade for Derek carr that's fair i mean there is going to be opportunity for it i mean you have teams like the eagles and obviously the texan well the texans will probably take a quarterback but like the bears up in the top 10 there's a good the Bears chance are one. Luck. I think the Bears that might be too expensive, but so what I think would be the more I don't know, like target, like it would be hard to get Stroud or Young unless uh, the Bears can't get out of number one. But um, I don't know if like Levis, like I don't know if you can try to convince the Colts to like trade back or the Cardinals or somebody. If you can get like up to three, you can get. Stroud, if no one else jumps up to one, um, but it, it it's it's tough. You might have to try to target Levis, but then I don't know where you have to get to to get Levis. Maybe six with the Lions, um, just to get ahead of the Raiders and the Falcons. Yeah, let me throw another scenario at you. There's been a little bit of whispers on Twitter of Justin Fields being potentially tradable. I would like that, but I also don't think that's actually a thing. I think the Bears are just trying to. Uh, increase the value of the number one pick by making teams think that a quarterback is a possibility for them. Oh, I would a hundred percent agree. I mean, Justin Fields definitely made strides this year. I think they'd be stupid to trade him, but at the same time, they have a new head. They have a new coaching staff coming in basically. So it's on the table, but yeah. I mean, I wanted much. to take Justin Fields when we took JC Horn. So I'm obviously not going to like 
be against that, but I just I think it's like I don't think there's any chance the Bears actually do that. I think they're entirely any any rumors suggesting that is a possibility are born out of like an attempt to pump up the value of that number one overall pick of like, well, the bears are going to take a quarterback. So like, you know, for the, maybe if, if, if we target like the Cardinals, if we like young and Stroud, you know, we only have to get as high as the Cardinals at the third pick to get our guy. And the bears are like, no, 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 no. We might take one at one and you'd have to get up to number one to get your guy. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. So. Yeah, that's all I think that is. Yeah, well, especially they, like, if you're in a situation where like their quarterback's as good as his has been, or there as he's been, that like, uh, it, it it feels wasteful to like, you know, just like get on a treadmill of young quarterback and then have to like use other picks to fill out your roster. Right. Yep. No, I get it. And the Panthers definitely uh, assembled enough draft capital where they could move up after trading mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey. So. Right. I guess the biggest factor that will go into what they're going to do at quarterback is going to be the head coach. If we want to transition into that discussion. Yep. Um. We've, so yeah, uh, surely cast a wide net. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I guess the original plan was to be very. Uh, I don't know, targeted with it, but they very much. I mean, they have currently. They have they've already conducted three interviews and they have requested seven more. So that's ten interviews total for the head coaching spot. They're being very uh, after today's announcements where they started interview or they started requesting interviews with more defensive people. It's a little more diversified, but prior to that, aside from you know Jim Caldwell, Frank Reich, Steve Wilkes, former head coaches, they're Targets very much seem to be offensive coordinators who also played quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So the current list is Steve Wilkes, Frank Reich, Jim Caldwell. And then the ones that they've reportedly requested interviews with are Ken Dorsey, Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka, New York Giants offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen. Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. And then the two most recent ones are Gerard Mayo, linebackers coach for the Patriots, and D'Amico Ryans, defensive coordinator for the 49ers. I haven't really figured out what coach I'd like the most out of any of those. (laughs) Yeah. I always think it's hard to have a strong opinion on, like, who you think – your team should hire as a head coach because we don't know anything about them other than like the performance of the unit that they're in charge of, but that doesn't necessarily translate to head coaching ability because it's an entirely different skill set, right? Like we just say like, you know, like D'Amico Ryan's 49ers defensive coordinator, 49ers defense. Good. D'Amico Ryan's good coach. And mm-hmm. same thing with like, you know, Ken Dorsey offensive coordinator of bills, bills, offense. Good. Ken Dorsey. Good. It's like, well, you know, it, that was kind of a well-oiled machine, before, like for Ken Dorsey's case, like that was a well-oiled machine before he took over that role. Like how much of it is him being like a leader and like leader of men and organizing things and how much of it is him just like calling the plays that uh, Brian Table left behind. So, but he could still be a good coach. We just don't have a way to know because we don't interview him. We don't see how he interacts with his players. We don't see how he does on a day-to-day basis. 
So yeah, uh, it makes it hard for me to like feel strongly about head coach candidates, though I like the idea of like younger guys that I feel are more adaptable. That's always my and like it's not to be like ageist, but that's kind of like the thing that I always want to see. You know what I mean? I don't. I especially as a Panthers fan, that's other than before, prior to Matt Rule, who was just kind of bad. It's just been <laughs> <laughs> a long time of like very old school like we're just going to run the ball and not make mistakes and then let the ball like the ball bounce the, the bounce of the ball determine the fate of our season and you know not actually like go out and get anything yeah and i understand why people are uh so mixed on steve wilkes because he's kind of an extension of ron rivera with a little more ballsiness yeah um and the ar- argument again is if you get a hot offensive coordinator they're probably gonna get sniped by another team so that's why i understand where uh, these criticisms of getting a defensive head coach make sense. Um, it's tough because like a guy like Ben Johnson, for example, he's only had one season of success in the NFL, but it's really hard to look away from the fact that he was really successful. Jared Goff and a Lions offense that really didn't look that great uh, right. a year ago. So I don't know. It's, it's one of those things too, where, and I know we had this discussion in Slack, but every time you talk to a fans, like, let's say we're talking about Ben Johnson, we talk to the Lions fan, Lions fans have a whole bunch of criticisms of him because, you know, the general thing is just that if your team has an offensive or defensive coordinator, your fans hate him. It's just, it is what it is. Like, there's always something you're going to criticize about him. There's always these small, uh, gaps and things like uh, Kellen Moore was one where someone tagged me on Facebook because they saw that Kellen Moore was being interviewed by the Panthers, or at least they requested an interview, and they their response was take him. Yeah, it's just very interesting that that's the way it is. Like, I- yeah, my point was like, uh, basically, people don't like when they're like, I see this. It's, it's funny because like. To tell my little anecdote, like I text my mom a lot during Panthers games, or and if I ever watch them with her, basically she gets frustrated whenever the Panthers don't succeed like every single time. Like the Panthers thoroughly dominated the Lions and the Lions never got close, but my mom got like mildly frustrated in the second half because she felt like the Lions were doing too well when they were down by like two touchdowns. <laughs> and 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 so like and I feel like that's not uncommon for for like for sports fans, especially for football fans. So it's just like whenever, so offenses always fail because like, if they didn't, then there's just like no point in playing a sport, right? Like defenses make stops sometimes. And depending on like what the play call was that failed, they were dumb, right? Like if, if I call like a run up the middle on third and three, it's like, God, why do we just run up the middle? It's so dumb. We need to be creative. But then if I like, run a reverse on third and three it's like why are we getting so cute we need to just ram it down their throats and it's like well you know if we did that and failed that was also wrong right it's like a very results driven opinion people have and then over time all of those failures accumulate in people's minds and they're like yeah that guy actually sucks yeah so that's why and that's why every and that is my um you know my my theory or my you know my thesis on why every offensive and defensive coordinator actually sucks there are no good ones no i mean it's it's funny because uh 
Oh, what's his name? Um, Ben McAdoo for the Panthers. I actually felt he called plays extremely well in the last few weeks of the season, but everyone thinks he needs to kick rocks. And I don't disagree just, just so I can preface this by saying I don't want him back, but he, he had a pretty good performance as a head coach, as a, excuse me, as an offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. Once he was no longer saddled with, uh, Matt rule and whatever bullshit he was coming up with for the offense. But yeah, it's just very much like even like uh, Sean McDermott, there were criticisms of him. Uh, Steve Wilkes right. as defensive coordinator. There were criticisms of him, even though the Panthers defense was good when he was the defensive coordinator, the Panthers defense was a lot better than I expected this year when he was the head coach. But yeah, there's always going to be those criticisms. And it's just very interesting because there's going to be there's always those fans that want the high upside shot at the next Sean McVay, but you could also very much get the, you know, next Cl- Cliff Kingsbury, for example. Right. So, but to be fair, Cliff Kingsbury was never good anywhere. So, no, I don't know why true, the Card- yeah. I don't know why the Cardinals thought he would be so much better in the NFL. But now, um good. I was say if I'm looking at it right now objectively just from the uh high floor and potentially decent ceiling head coaching candidate. I mean, I'm still looking at Frank Reich. Yeah, uh, yeah, Frank Reich's, I don't think, a bad candidate. I don't know, like, the Colt situation is an ideal. Um, I need. I meant to read an article. There was an article that The Athletic put out about the turmoil in the Colts organization and stuff. And so you wonder how much of it he was a victim of that um, and how much of it he was a contributor to that. Um, I wouldn't mind that. Uh, Jim Caldwell, I feel like is successful, but I feel like that's just like rehiring John Fox and Ron Rivera, right? Yeah, he also hasn't coached. He also hasn't been a coach for a few years. Yeah. Um, even though I think he's underrated as a head coach, like I feel like people have always kind of clowned him, um, because he he's so uh, I guess you would say a stoic on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, but like he took the Lions to the playoffs and like pretty just pretty crazy like jim caldwell had three or two straight winning seasons with the lions and then got fired like that's kind of absurd yeah he got fired when they went nine and seven which for the lions is pretty damn good yeah it's basically winning the super bowl for the lions and he did it two years in a row and they're like that's not good enough and then they went and were terrible until this past year um but uh so it, it like he he feels like his reputation's good it's just boring and like this is sports i want them to be fun um I want to kind of talk a little bit about Steve Wilkes. Uh, and I talked about it a little in my kind of like quick look at him. Like, I, I feel like he did a really, really good job this year. And he definitely, like, I, I feel like he deserves some sort of chance to be a head coach. But, like, my concern is, along with, like, similar to Jim Caldwell, was, like, how, you know old school we were like how we ran like i said like the saints game we ran the ball almost three times as often as we threw it and like that's fine when you have like a really healthy offensive line and like you're playing a rather favorable schedule but that's not like a sustainable way to be a contender generally speaking and it's like does steve wilkes is that his like ideal image of a team or was that out of necessity because of the quarterback uh situation here you know what i mean yeah, that was my uh, thing as well. Then uh, I know his his style very much resembled the Ron Rivera uh, conservative style, but at the same time, 
this team was kind of built to do that. Like Matt Rule right. built a team where he built an offensive line that was very much structured to be a power rushing offense. Um, obviously, they didn't really address. They tried to address the quarterback position, but it was very much just you know the castoffs for the most part. Right. And he ran a lot of really conservative zone defense, but at the same time, he had. J.C. Horn, obviously really good, and J.C. Horn excelled in in that defense, but then he had to deal with C.J. Henderson um, and Keith Taylor. Uh, he didn't really get Dante Jackson a whole lot because Dante got himself hurt pretty early in the season. So that's my curiosity is, was it, was it him just utilizing the strengths of the team or was it his general philosophy? And that's what I'd really like to right. see. And I think that if they do hire... Steve Wilkes is the head coach. I think whoever he picks as offensive coordinator will be very telling of what his philosophy really is. Right. Like that would be, and that's one of those things that where it's hard for us to actually say with any sort of confidence, like how good of a candidate someone is. Right. Because like, if that's, if I'm interviewing him going forward, it's like, all right, this is what you did this year. What is like, do you intend to like try to Is like, is this how you would prefer your football team to look or was this you trying adapting to your personnel and knowing that this is not like maybe an ideal way to like approach the NFL in 2023, but this is the best we can do. Or is this what you intended to do no matter what? Right. And right. the way he kind of discusses that, I think is it goes a long way. Cause if he's like, nah, I, I this is what I want. Like, I think the, if you want to be a successful team, you got to run the ball excessively and never throw unless you absolutely have to and they were like all right well but i would rush but i would want to hear him say if i'm interviewing him like you know like this is a quarterback driven league we want a team built around our quarterback it just the way this roster was constructed we didn't trust the quarterback play and so we thought the only way we had any chance of winning was leaning on the run game even if that doesn't gonna you know that has a ceiling that is lower than we want to be long term right and um, the Good. The other the other question there is what are you going to do with a rookie quarterback? Because mm. honestly, the strategy they employed at least toward at least especially towards the end of the season once they really started to find their footing as far as an offensive identity, like that mm. would fit a rookie quarterback, especially one like right. Will Levis, for example. So I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to the more run heavy style, especially since that's kind of how the offense is now currently constructed. And obviously being a coach, you need to use your, you you need to utilize your team and especially your offense in a way that caters to the strengths they have. So I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to him being the head coach with a rookie quarterback, especially year one. My concern would be year two and year three. Once you've started assembling weapons around him, are you going to keep keep him on a leash like you did with Sam Darnold? Which I I will say just to give them props, they let Sam Darnold fucking like rocket the ball sometimes. Like they they did yeah. let him take those deep shots, so that was very promising. But is it going to be the same style of offense in year two or year three with a rookie quarterback when you just invested high draft capital in them? Because I would hope in this situation it's one of the top two quarterbacks or even Will Levis where you're banking that your franchise will succeed around him. Right. Like do, do the, do the rain, you loosen the reins as the quarterback gets more experience, assuming the quarterback develop, you'd like, can you develop the quarterback? And then like, are you going to trust them to be your franchise or are you going to try to keep them under like in bubble wrap perpetually, uh, 
you know, like it's 1998. Right. Like when they face a team like the Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. running Deontay Foreman up, up the middle, you know, 30 times or a combination of him and Chuba Hubbard is probably not going to work because they might score like 28 points on you. So right. how are you going to react to that? So yeah, because because like that's part of the, the the late season success is like other than the Lions, like the the, the schedule's pretty easy. Yeah, you know, like like it, it, it we weren't the the Panthers didn't play. It's but like other like like I said, the Lions was like kind of the outlier here. But other than that, they played nobody that they had to play like outscore, right? And part of that was the defense being good, but like the games we're always with any sort of decent defensive performance, we're going to be kept close enough that you could try to play that ball control style of offense. Like, what do you do when you have like the chiefs on the schedule or if like the, you know, our division's bad now, but you can't just be like, well, you know, our, if we just want to win our division, we just have to like be less terrible than the rest. But like, they're not going to be terrible forever. Like you have to, I mean, the 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 Saints went out and beat the Eagles, even with with Gardner Minshew, who I don't think is a bad quarterback. They their yeah. team was for the most part healthy, and the Saints beat the shit out of the Eagles. Like they yeah. they dominated them for the through the first half. Like you know that it's not like the it's not like these teams are all you know gonna need like two or three year rebuilds. They could be very right. much competitive next year. Yeah, it's all just kind of quarterback problems. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, like. The the other list though, like I feel like the conducted list is like kind of boring, and then the reported list is like the fun people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Ken Dorsey doesn't excite me all that much, maybe just because he's already been here, and I don't really, I don't know. I his, actually his think office, he'd be a great pick. I just don't know enough about him. Um, and then like I said, I like that he's a Brian Dable like understudy because I thought Brian Dable was. I was kind of sad that we missed out on that kind of window that didn't overlap because I was would have loved to have him as a head coach, but, um, you know, if he, if he can kind of do the same thing that Dable's done, that's cool. I don't know. Maybe it's just like his appearance and stuff. I don't know. But the, 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 the other names, like the Ben Johnson and Mike Kafka, like the success that they've had, like with less than stellar pieces, like you said, with Ben Johnson and having Jared Goff become like a, like looking like he deserved to be the number one pick finally. And then Mike Kafka, like, figuring out how to make Daniel Jones look not terrible. Like, that just kind of creativity or, like, adaptability is kind of what I'm excited about. And then I think, uh, I don't know anything about Jared Mayo, but I think D'Amico Ryans has kind of shown a similar ability on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't mind it. I don't mind necessarily. Like, I don't think being a, I don't want to automatically disqualify a defensive coach because they coach defense. It's more about the way they handle, like, football no i mean D'Amico ryan's seems like a really good motivator and that's gonna be a that, i mean that's a huge deal i mean we saw it with steve wilkes he was a huge motivator with, with the exact same team matt rule had and he got him to six and six where matt rule won one game so that is a huge factor into what right. you're getting from your head coach um well just like to, head coaches it's like a big part of it like we talked you talked about with steve wilkes it's just like who, who their coordinators are and stuff right like if you it, being a head coach is about like motivating your guys and organizing your team and then like creating an image that you want your team to like implement and then you have to hire the right people to kind of help execute it right like the offense the coach isn't like generally drawing up the defense like scheming all the defensive stuff and scheming all the offensive stuff and doing all that stuff on his own like you gotta you can hire 
you know, a defensive experienced guy. And if he brings in, he's like, all right, this is how I want our offense to run. And he hires an offensive coordinator that can implement that. Like that's, that's kind of what you want. No, I mean, to give Matt or excuse me, uh, Ron Rivera, some props. I mean, he did that with Sean McDermott. I feel like he very much let Sean McDermott do his thing. And right. Steve Wilkes, he very much let him do his thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely merit to that argument. Um, I think the thing with Ken Dorsey that appeals to me is just that he's very familiar with the organization and the area mm. and the fans already. Um, and he helped develop. He he was the quarterback's coach for Cam Newton when Cam Newton was blowing the doors off the league. He was the quarterback's coach for Josh Allen, developed him into another quarterback who was blowing the doors off the league. So he's doing something right. <laughs> yeah, he does have the the quarterback development resume. That if I, the Panthers draft a quarterback or intend to get a draft quarterback, that would look that looks good. Like if you're gonna trade for Derek Carr, like I was suggesting potentially earlier, maybe not Ken Dorsey because Ken Dorsey doesn't really have any familiarity with Derek Carr, and I very much feel like if you're gonna bring Derek Carr in, you bring somebody in who has a little familiar familiarity with him, or at least the schemes he's comfortable with. But if you're going to draft a quarterback, I think Ken Dorsey's a great candidate. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Just that he can put his, like, you know, his his pet pro like, you know, his job as a head coach is like, hey, offensive coordinator, hey, defensive coordinator, like, you do the big picture stuff, and then, like, I'm going to have a lot of wisdom to share with how to develop this young guy and contribute a lot to that side of the, the you know, the ball and how it works, right? Right. The head coach just needs to make sure they're prepared. Yep. Which is something Matt Rule struggled to do, and Steve Wilkes at times did well, and then also struggled to do at times. So, yeah, um, which is not his fault necessarily either, because like I, I think what's so hard about being an interim head coach, like you do get the benefit of having kind of a bump in player motivation, because you know they've just you know it, it puts everybody on edge when like someone gets fired. They're like, oh dang, like my job's not safe anymore either. Um, which I think is why teams seem to have that little bump when the interim t- coach comes in, more, more so than like the interim coach themselves doing anything other than like a, a, a renewed focus uh, that happens when someone gets let go. But when you're an interim head coach, I think it's like, well, you kind of have to stay within somewhat of a structure of what started because like, you know, you don't have time to like go fully implement things the way you want because you're in the middle of the season and you have games every week and you have three practices a week and, it's like we can make some some changes, but we can't go like this is my team. We're doing it my way. You know what I mean? So no, you very you much kind of have to. That. Yeah, you kind you very much kind of have to adhere to the same structure as the head coach before you. Yeah, even with your own little tweaks, but you're still you can't implement a full game plan, a full or not a full game plan, a full like uh like scheme change. Yeah, exactly. Like a full scheme right. change. Like you know, I it's one of those things where you just kind of have to run with it on the fly. And that's why I was very impressed with Steve Wilkes. He did kind of revert to some Ron Rivera tendencies, but I don't think they're necessarily terrible as long as you can then, I don't know, capitalize on the opportunities you're given instead of punting at the 36 yard line, for example, like go for, go for on fourth down. And I think Steve Wilkes very much did a good job with the pieces he had. And it's going to be interesting because whatever head coach comes in, 
they're going to have a nice skeleton of certain pieces, but they also really need to uh, formulate a game plan and a scheme around what they have, because that's kind of what the Panthers are at this point. They are very good in certain areas, but they also are going to struggle in other areas. Like their defense for the most part, aside from guys like Frankie Louvu and Derek Brown are very much not geared for teams that are going to run the ball a lot on them. So yeah. What are you gonna to do to combat that? Right. Yeah. There's. I think there's like there's a good there's a good backbone because the the lines are decent. Like the offensive line's very good, even if I don't know how long you can rely on the current offensive line, just because that position feels like it. You know, people players get hurt so much that he could fall off a cliff all like like over the course of one season. Right. Um. But you know the the they have solid foundations on both sides of the line. So it's like that's a good starting point, and then you can kind of build out, you know, like how how do we want to kind of do the sliding scale of like speed versus size versus strength versus you know versatility type of thing. Yeah, um, there's 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 I think there's a good foundation there, and then there's room to make to put that build the team in the coach's image. Yeah, yeah. Matt Rule's biggest failing for me on the defense was making them a little too speedy. Yeah. Um. I think if they can find themselves a nice edge rusher, whether it's a free agency signing or a high draft pick to complement Brian Burns, then they'll be fine. Cause you know, Frankie mm-hmm. Louvu can kind of fill in wherever the fuck they want. Yeah. Um, luckily they have him for another year, which is, that was the, probably the, the signing of Matt rules career. The fact that they got him on a two year <laughs> deal because <laughs> there's yeah. no way that if it was a one year deal, he'd be back with the Panthers. He'd be getting a giant contract from somebody else at this point. I mean, we do need to try to extend him. I think mm-hmm. like this coming off season before that would be smart. While out of control. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if Shaq good. Thompson's leaving. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck they're going to do with him because he's making like $24 million this year. Yeah, I don't think very many people foresaw a, a, a world where like Shaq Thompson is an afterthought and Frankie Lou is like the star of the defense, of the middle right. of the defense. But that's where <clears> we right. are now. Yep. Um, I, I don't really know anything about Shane Steichen from Philadelphia other than like their offense is pretty good, but you know, I don't know anything about him. I've never seen him talk or anything. Um, the last thing I wanted to kind of just mention is like I really, really want Steve Wilkes to get a head coach job because I hate the 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 hand that he's been dealt in his coaching career. Um, but it's just kind of like, and I wouldn't be mad if we hired him, but it's just like I wouldn't handpick him, so I feel kind of bad. I'm like very conflicted about that, like internally. It would just very much go against what David Tepper seems to be looking for because right. I don't think they're going to score a high-end offensive coordinator once they get Steve Wilkes. I I very much feel like the offensive coordinator position is basically going to be dictated by what head coach they hire. Mm -hmm. Um, And Steve Wilkes is very good, and I agree. I wouldn't be mad if they get him, but I just don't know who the hell they'd hire to be offensive coordinator if Steve Wilkes retains the job. Right. So... I was like, I was looking at his, his history, you know, his bio when I was writing the thing and it was like, you know, he worked, he bounced around a lot and then he was with the Panthers as he got hired as a secondary coach. Then he was like secondary coach uh, with the assistant coach title and that. And then I think we talked about it before at some point. And I know it's been talked about a lot, but he got one year with the Cardinals 
with Josh Rosen and Sam Bradford as his quarterbacks, and then they got wooed by the shiny toy of Cliff Kingsbury. So he got one year with the Cardinals. He went to the Browns, got one year with the Browns, and then they're they got that coaching staff like they cleaned house because it was Freddie Kitchen, the Freddie Kitchen's year. Yep. And then you know, then he had to go to Missouri, and then he comes to Carolina, and then he gets thrust into like the Matt Rule uh, regime where he's get, they're getting cleaned out, and he had to get you know inherited a team that was a total dumpster fire. And he's done like I feel like he's done well with his opportunities. It's just like he keeps ending up in really bad opportunities. And so I feel I feel like he's done his part to earn a job. And I just feel like even this situation hasn't like set him up for success. And, no, it very much hasn't. Yeah. I I kind of think the ideal situation is get a guy like Frank Reich and give Steve Wilkes a defensive coordinator position again. Hmm. That would be really good. But yeah. I don't know if that's going to be the case because maybe Steve Wilkes interviews for other head coaching spots in the league and potentially gets one. So they have an asset on their hands, though, with him. Like, he's not someone I would want to let go lightly. Right. Cardinal should hire him again. That would be hilarious. And also, I know he's <laughs> not taking the job. So, no, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I would not but, if I were him. No. But. Anyway, is there uh, anything else you'd like to cover before we uh, end this podcast and get on to the next one in a few weeks or this or next week or uh, whenever? I mean, yeah, there's probably going to be news at some point soon. Like we're going to hire somebody before too long. Oh yeah, um, definitely. So, but now I think I think that that covered everything. It's a very interesting. It, it, the one the one good thing about like being a terrible team is like it makes the offseason fun, right? Because we're, yeah. like, we're going to have a new quarterback next year and we're going to have a new coach next year and maybe. And it's like, that's always exciting. Yes, it is always very exciting because it means you can win the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And your fans can't hate on them until they've uh, officially fielded a team in the regular season. So it's all up from here. Right. Yeah, we can't we like we can't hate on a, a, a new offensive coordinator until the first time they go three and out. And then we can hate them for being terrible. Right. Exactly. So. <laughs> well. From all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, this is Brian joined by John as always. We will be in touch and we will give you all the coverage of the head coaching search as it comes along. Stay tuned for articles on the Panthers or excuse me, on the Cat Scratch Reader to break down the head coaching candidates we've been looking at. We've already broken down a few and there will be more to come. So stay tuned, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk to you soon. See ya.